0: All right, good morning, Cornerstone. Um, Let me jump right in this morning with a question for you. Do you know that God has a special gift for you to open once a week, every week, for the rest of your life? This morning, uh, we get to focus on one of what I think is one of God's sweetest gifts that he gives us to bless us Every week of our lives, if we will just open it and enjoy it once a week, every single week, for the rest of our lives. It's even one of the top 10 commandments that God gives us to enrich us and bless us. And weirdly, so many Christians either neglect it altogether or they turn it into some kind of a a life-sucking duty. Um, When all along the time, all, all along the way, God just has given it to us for our delight, to bless us, to create space for healing within us and within community, and to deepen us, and to stabilize us, and to strengthen us. I'm talking about the amazing gift of Sabbath rest. No matter how you may have thought about Sabbath keeping up till now, I'm pretty sure that God wants you to leave today, leave here today, with an expanded understanding of weekly Sabbath rest as one of the sweetest gifts that He gives to you to influence every single week of your life. When I finally, and this was in seminary, my last year in seminary, our whole seminary got convicted at the same time. That, that we were not honoring the fourth commandment. So the entire seminary talked about it and prayed about it. And the decision was made that there would be no more exams on Mondays and no papers due, no assignments due on Mondays so that we as a community could practice Sabbath rest on Sundays. And so when I finally learned, um, you know, decades ago in seminary, the blessing of keeping Sabbath rest, it baffled me that while most Christians know that keeping the Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments, most Christians seem to think that it's the one of the Ten Commandments that is optional. And it's weird because we read um, that the commandment not to murder and not to commit adultery. um, And we would never think that it's okay to like murder once a week or to commit adultery once a week. Yet when we start thinking about the Sabbath, somehow we think that, well, it's okay to break That commandment once a week. And it just doesn't make sense, right? So Exodus 20 is um, the first of the two um, passages in the New Testament that goes through the Ten Commandments. Let me read you Exodus 20, verses 8 through 10. It says, remember, and this is remember, this is God speaking, okay? Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy what keeping it holy means holy just means set aside aside for special purposes so it is a unique opportunity it's set aside for certain kinds of special things remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you will labor and do your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you and the members of your household shall not do any work For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Going back to creation, God created one day in seven to be a very unique and special day in our lives. How is it in light of that that we can somehow think, The fourth commandment is optional. Why is is it not that, that setting aside or not setting aside one day a week to be special to the Lord, why is that not as jarring to us as the murders from gun violence or as jarring to us as if someone was committing adultery and sexual unfaithfulness every single week of their lives? Because the fourth commandment is just as important as all of the others. And if any of us were, like, murdering once a week, we'd do an intervention, right? Why is it that we don't do interventions with each other when we weakly feel comfortable breaking the fourth commandment? Especially when we realize, you realize that the commandments weren't given to us to constrain us and restrict us. God gave us the ten commandments to protect us and to bless us, and to free us to live extraordinary lives of love, and joy, and peace, and goodness. We know that God's commandments are gifts to us so that we can live glorious lives. And how can we ever rationalize any of them away as optional? So today, I want us to remember that the scriptures say that neglecting the Sabbath is detrimental to our souls it's detrimental to our friendships detrimental to our marriages to our families to our church community to our culture and also to our witness in the world one of the things about the followers of god in the old testament was that their sabbath keeping set them aside as different from every other group of people in the world and that is still true when we observe the sabbath as christians but as we talk about the Sabbath, I wanna avoid, I wanna do everything I can to avoid us from going stupid about the Sabbath because when we look at the scriptures, we see that the people of God go stupid about the Sabbath in one, or two, one of two directions. Either they neglect it and then God says, why, I wanna bless you. Or they turn it into this rigid legalism that sucks life out of them. And so in the Old Testament, the pattern is that people just neglected the Sabbath altogether. And God kept calling them back to it. But we get to the New Testament, and they made it so legalistic that it was about whether you were good enough for God or not. So I want to look with you briefly at Sabbath in the Old Testament. Then I will look at, want to look with you at Sabbath in the New Testament, in the Gospels, and how Jesus talks about it. And then we're going to get to our text about Sabbath in the book of Hebrews. So Sabbath keeping in the Old Testament. God just tries time and time and time again in the Old Testament to get his people to accept this gift that he offers them of one day a week for their healing and for the restoration and to stabilize them and to to really to bless them. And so time and time again throughout the, the Old Testament we read and we hear God's voice pleading with his people. Why won't you let me bless you? Why won't you let you? Because Sabbath keeping in the Old Testament as it is today, it is one of the ways that we keep from drifting into secularism and worldliness and continually striving. It was that in the Old Testament. It is that still today. So let me give you two examples of God's voice in the Old Testament about the Sabbath. First one's Isaiah 58, verses 13 and 14. And just hear the voice of God pleading for his people. Isaiah 58, 13 and 14, God says, If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, and if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, if you will do those things, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father, Jacob, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. God calling to his people in the Old Testament as he calls to us today to set aside one day in seven to make it a special day for delight and triumph and feast what's not to like about delight and victory and celebration right sabbath in the old testament is about receiving the gift of time for the well-being of our souls it's about managing the speed of our lives so that we can have deeper relationships it's about pausing and ceasing so that we can rest so that we can embrace and so that we can feast second um, scripture on sabbath in the old testament deuteronomy chapter five it's the second of the the two places in the old testament where the ten commandments are listed and this is what um, deuteronomy 5:15 says about the fourth commandment again remember that you were god says remember that you were slaves in egypt and that the lord your god brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm therefore okay remember you're slaves right god brought you out therefore The Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Sabbath keeping is an active rebellion against every form of slavery. Every form of slavery that binds us and twists us and chains us to the values of the world, the flesh, and the devil. Sabbath keeping is a rebellion against slavery. It is freedom from slavery and freedom for slavery fullness of life then when we arrive at um, at the gospels god's people went stupid the other direction about the sabbath instead of neglecting the sabbath they made rules about the sabbath so many rules about sabbath keeping that sapped it of its goodness and Blessing and healing and restoration so the Talmud is an authoritative collection of Jewish civil and ceremonial laws that go back to like five centuries before Christ and some of the, the Requirements go back for it's Just reflections on on the law of God and Kind of outlining what that looks like specifically in our lives the Talmud lists 39 categories of prohibited activities on Sabbath no planting no plowing no reaping, no gathering, no cooking, no shearing, no laundry, no trapping, no hunting, no writing, no erasing, no travel, and the list kind of goes on and on and on. So then by the time we get to Jesus, the Pharisees had defined each and every one of those 39 prohibitions in excruciating detail so that people could know how many grains of wheat they could touch without breaking the sabbath against um, harvesting and so the people would know exactly how many steps they could take without breaking the prohibition against travel so we get to the new testament and what god gave to his people for their joy and their rest and their their contentment has turned into this kind of persnickety whiny crabby life-sucking set of rules to really prove if you were good enough or if you were not good enough so the pharisees completely missed the point of the sabbath in the other directions and they really they actually instead of being protection from slavery they turned sabbath keeping into a new kind of slavery this is what jesus says when he speaks into that culture of sabbath keeping this is mark 2 verses 23 to 27. one sabbath jesus was going through the grain fields and as they made their way his disciples began to pluck heads of grain and the pharisees were saying to him look why are they doing what's not lawful on the sabbath and jesus said to them have you never read what david did when he was in need and was hungry he and those who were with him how he entered the house of god at the time of abiathar the high priest and ate the bread of the presence which is not lawful for any but the priest to eat and also gave it to those who were with them And Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. So Mark says, the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. So Jesus is simply reiterating God's initial purpose for the Sabbath. And that that was God's purpose from the very beginning. It was never about placating and pleasing God and restricting us. It was always about the well-being of humanity. It was a gift that the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Jesus is reiterating that God gives us one day in seven to increase our joy and our delight and our resilience and to increase our contentment. So if you take anything away from this message this morning, take this. The Sabbath was made for us. Keeping the Sabbath doesn't rob us of life. It's not keeping the Sabbath that robs us of life. God created a weekly rhythm of work and rest to free and bless us. So it's on this foundation of sabbath in the old testament sabbath in the gospels that the writer of hebrews now talks about sabbath keeping in hebrews 3 verse um, verse 7 through chapter 4 verse 16. and this is by the way this is the longest text in the entire bible about sabbath keeping we're not going to read it all but we'll read parts of it together it starts hebrews 3 7 starts out like this therefore as the holy spirit says and right there i want to kind of pause and make sure that we know who's speaking this is not Pastor Bill, it's not Pastor Danny, it's not the writer of Hebrews. This is the Holy Spirit speaking. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today if you hear God's voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness, where your fathers put me to the test and saw my work works for 40 years. Therefore, I was provoked with that generation and said, They always go astray in their heart. They have not known my ways. As I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. So the historic reference here. And and the writer of Hebrews loves to go back to the Old Testament and find something that happened in the Old Testament and then find some place where it comments on that later. So the historic reference that that is being referred to here is when the Israelites were freed from slavery, they, they left Egypt and they got right to the borders of the promised land. And it was their opportunity to enter into a land filled with milk and honey, the promised land that would be a a place of rest for them. So they got right there, and they said, we got to go scout out the land. They sent in 12 spies, and they came back and said, yes, it is a land filled with, flowing with, with milk and honey, but there are giants in the land. And so two of the spies said, let's follow God and, and, and move in. Ten of them said, we can't do this. And the ten spies convinced all the other people that they couldn't trust God to go in and take the land and that started the 40 years of wandering in the desert. God was so disappointed with his people. It says here that he swore in his wrath, they shall not enter my rest. That ought to send a chill down our spines because God is offering something to his people and they refuse to trust him and obey him. And then God flips and says, okay, I will give you your will. You won't have to take the land, but you will wander for 40 years in the wilderness. Well, the other thing that we need to know about what um, the writer of Hebrews is talking about here in Hebrews 7, um, 7 to 11, this is from Psalm 95. And here's what we need to know about Psalm 95. For thousands of years, Psalm 95 is the psalm that has been read in Orthodox Jewish homes, in the homes of faithful Jews, Psalm 95 is read. These words are read at, on Friday evening at the beginning of every Sabbath. So as soon as the readers of the book of Hebrew would read these words, they would immediately think of, oh, this is Friday evening when the Sabbath is going to begin. Psalm 95 is the preeminent Sabbath psalm in the whole Bible. The writer of Hebrews continues um, reflecting on Psalm 95, verses 12, Through 19. Take care, brothers and sisters, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For we have come to share in Christ, if indeed we hold our original confidence firm to the end. As it is said, again, he's quoting Psalm 95 a second time. As it is said, today if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who were those who heard and yet rebelled? Was it not all those who left Egypt led by Moses? And with whom was God provoked for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose bodies fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that he would not? would not let them enter his rest, but to those who were disobedient. So we see that they were unable to enter because of unbelief. Our resistance to Sabbath-keeping in our lives right now is the same resistance, same reason for it as the ancient Jews. And that is we don't believe God enough, that he is good and that his ways are better. And so we can rationalize why keeping one day and seventh as holy to the Lord doesn't have to apply to us. When we're unable to enter Sabbath rest, it's because we don't truly believe that God is truly good. And we don't believe that God's ways are better. So the writer of Hebrews gets to chapter 4 and verse 1, he says, Therefore, while the promise of entering God's rest still stands, let us fear lest any of you should seem to have failed to reach us the word for fear in hebrews 4 1 is phobia the holy spirit wants us to develop a phobia of what we would miss out on if we neglect the sabbath in our lives god wants us to consider how much we miss when we neglect this rhythm of one day in seven dedicated to him holy spirit wants us to Reflect on what we're not able to plant in our lives because we're doing the rat race like everybody else in the world. The Spirit wants us to to reflect on what's not able to grow, what's not able to blossom, what's not able to reproduce in us because we don't trust God enough that he is good and his ways are better. Cornerstone Church. Can we develop a phobia of missing out on the blessings of God's weekly sabbath can we can that be our greatest fear as the writer of hebrews says while the promise of entering god's rest still stands let us fear lest any of us should seem to have failed to reach it you can read the the rest of the passage um more closely for yourself at some point but let me just give you a list from this passage of what we receive when we keep the sabbath and what we lose when we don't with Sabbath rest, we hear God's voice. Without it, we miss God speaking into our lives. Without Sabbath rest or with Sabbath rest, we have soft hearts. Without it, we get hardened hearts. With Sabbath rest, we cooperate with God. Without it, we rebel against God. With it, we trust God. Without it, we test God. With it, we have peace with God, without it. We provoke God with Sabbath rest we follow God without it we have straying hearts with Sabbath rest we receive God's blessings without it we receive God's wrath with it we rely on God without it we rely on ourselves and our own unbelieving hearts with Sabbath rest we live in truth without it we're deceived by sin with it we have confidence that Jesus is Lord Without it, we're not sure Jesus is really Lord. With Sabbath rest, we experience peace and calm and renewing of our wisdom and delight. And without it, we simply experience the rat race of constantly striving and endlessly wandering until we die. It makes sense. It doesn't, you don't have to be brilliant to get it, right? Right? It makes sense. When we disregard the Sabbath, or when we make it like this legalistic exercise, our well-being and our friendships and our marriages and our families and our doing good in the world is diminished because we've, we've sucked up all the life and filled it with everything else and neglect the things of God. When we have driven schedules of constant activity, when we don't trim and prune things out of our lives to practice God's rhythm, of work and rest, we don't pause long enough for our souls to catch up with us. When we overextend, we lose perspective. We don't ask ourselves deeper questions about life. Deeper questions about what really matters because we're just too busy. We don't have space. When we're too busy trying to meet our own expectations and everybody else's expectations, we don't rest long enough to recover our balance and to restore our resilience. When we're on a constant treadmill of activity, when we fill every spare moment with entertainment, when we can't put down our phones even for a day, when we fill our waking hours to the max, we leave really important, deep work undone in our souls, in our friendships, in our marriages, in our parenting, and in our callings. So the point is this. Our lives move to a better place when we live at the sustainable pace of a weekly rhythm of Sabbath rest. So it's been observed across the centuries that we don't so much keep the Sabbath as much as the Sabbath keeps us. Sabbath keeps us balanced and wise and deep and joyful and focused. So where do we go from here? Hebrews 4, 9 through 11 says this. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one may fall by the same sort of disobedience. So verse 9 reassures us that Sabbath rest is still available for the people of God. That's part of what the writer of the book of Hebrews does. He takes Old Testament truths, reflected on later in the Old Testament, and he pulls them forward into the Christian life. And he says, there remains for us a Sabbath rest. Verse 10 makes sure that we don't over-spiritualize it. It nails it to our lives, because verse 10 says that whoever rests will rest from their work. It's not just, well, I won't think about it quite as much. Whoever rests truly in Sabbath will stop their work for that day to set it aside for better things. And it's not just some of their work. Whoever rests, rests from all of their work. And then verse 11 concludes, Let us therefore strive to enter that rest so that no one will fall by the same disobedience. Another translation says, Let us make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall. Sabbath-keeping, we need to acknowledge this. Sabbath-keeping will take more than a passing fancy. It will take more than hearing a message, you know, every year or a couple years. Scripture's, Bible's straightforward about it. It's going to take hard work to rest well. It's going to take effort to protect a weekly Sabbath rest. And if we don't, we're going to be just as weary, just as lonely, just as tired, and just as driven as everyone else in our culture. So how do we strive to enter that rest? I just want to end with, with some just very simple ideas for our Sabbaths to kind of demystify it. I talked to a person a couple years ago from here at Cornerstone who, and she said she wouldn't know what to do if she had a whole day of Sabbath rest. She said, would I just have to do spiritual stuff all day long? And I talked to another person again a couple of years ago and, and they, said, they said I feel like it's just so complicated. Can somebody just give me the rules of what I'm supposed to do and what I'm not supposed to do? So I want to uncomplicate and demystify sabbath with some practical ideas for most of us the day for our sabbath rest is probably going to be sunday now if you're a medical worker or in food service or a pastor okay then you're gonna have to do the hard work of figuring out how do you get one day in seven and if you're medical and you're four on three off it's constantly moving it means that you're going to have to do a little bit harder work to get your rhythm Of one day and seven but for most of us it's simple we decide to set aside sunday as special to the lord as our day for sabbath rest and this is one of the things that helped me maybe more than anything else in observing the sabbath in my life generations of sabbath keepers encourage us to start thinking about our sabbath day the evening before so the, the Jews, they marked time by evening to evening. So the Sabbath began Friday evening at sundown. And they would light a candle, they would have a prayer, and they would share a Sabbath meal. And I found that that has enriched my, my experience of Sabbath almost more than anything else. Because I'm not waking up on, you know, the morning of my Sabbath day and then saying, how do I get into Sabbath. I've already started that the evening before. So if Sunday is going to be your day of Sabbath, start it at sundown on Saturday. Pause and and give yourself the ability to make a break from the busyness of your life that has been to shift into a different kind of pace. It's just so much easier to honor Sabbath when we start it the night before. Number three, do Sabbath in community. And when you read through the scriptures, it's a community together doing Sabbath. It's hard to do Sabbath individualistically. So if you, you have to do it with your family, do it with your spouse, do it with your group of friends. Um, if, you're, if your roommates are all Christians, then then find a way to start that rhythm of the night before pausing and entering into Sabbath rest. Number four, when we wake up on our Sabbath day, whatever day, if that's Sunday for you, then... Let's remember that this is the most special day of the week that God has given us. This is the most special one. And start it with a simple prayer. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, today, if I hear your voice, don't let me harden my heart. In other words, make me especially sensitive to your voice this day. Then, if like most Christians, your Sabbaths on Sunday, go to church, right? And it's amazing how often going to church covers so many of the bases of Sabbath keeping because we listen to the word of God preached, we worship him in song, we're together in community, we delight together, and we're really good at this at Cornerstone. We feast together, right? We play together. So if your Sabbath day is Sunday, go to church and just just show up for God to bless you in many ways. And show up for you to bless other people in many ways with Sabbath blessings. And then finally, and then some subpoints on this one. Um, the Sabbath is the Lord's day, not the Lord's morning. It's so easy to think, well, I went to church, so I did, did my Sabbath keeping. But in the scriptures, it's a day. It's a 24-hour period. And so here's some ideas for us to turn the entire day into the Lord's Sabbath rest. I already mentioned the one have a meal with brothers and sisters in christ just go out and feast together talk about life talk about what you're excited about just catch up with each other because that's one of the major things about sabbath throughout all the centuries of god's people it's a time for feasting and enjoying one another um and then do something fun for the rest first part of that day because this is an opportunity you don't get to do monday through saturday usually do something that is... Go do sports. Some people, that's that's really restorative for them. Um, if you're an introvert, maybe you don't want to go do sports. Maybe you want to do a Sunday afternoon naps. Sunday afternoon naps are time-tested ways of, of just rejoicing and being rejuvenated on the Sabbath. Is there something creative that you've just been kind of wanting to do? Well, here's your permission from God to do that. Are you maybe really good at connecting with God in nature then take a walk in the woods or along the Charles either by yourself or with friends do you have an area of justice that has really been kind of kind of plaguing you that's been kind of wrecking you so set aside an hour to research or to learn more about that so that you can do something about it Sabbaths are great times for doing acts of kindness for others to bless them or to care for others Um, Sabbaths are a great time to get caught up in your intercessory prayer. You could set aside, you don't even need that much time. You could say, 15 minutes on my Sabbath day is going to be for me to pray for everyone in my family and everyone in my friend circle and all the people that God lays on my heart. Um, And don't forget, um, friends and family, one of the riches of Sabbath is we get more time to be together. The point is this. The Sabbath is God's gift to you. It's to sustain you and restore you. There's no rules, really. I mean, there are times when I've woken up on on my day of Sabbath and said, Oh, I need to mow the lawn. And I think about it and I go, And that tells me that's not what I'm supposed to do on that Sabbath. There are other Sabbaths I wake up and go, Hey, I get to go mow the lawn. (laughs) So mowing the lawn is perfect on that day, but not on other. So there aren't rules. There are no straitjackets. Just try to sense within your spirit, is it creating space or is it draining life out of you? Now, we can't avoid this. There will have to be some pruning, okay? We can't keep everything in our life and have everything God wants to give us in our lives. I don't know what that's going to be for you. It may be different from you, from the person sitting next to you, but our lives are, we have so much to live with and so little too much too little to live for we're going to have to decide what will prune what will have to go and then just finally i want to encourage you end your sabbath day sunday evening end your sabbath day with a prayer of thankfulness for the day make it special and thank god for what he's done cornerstone we can do this we really can even though the culture around us doesn't even though many other christians won't We can do this because, as the writer of Hebrews says, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. There remains a Sabbath rest for you and for me. So let's receive it. Let's cease. Let's rest. Let's embrace. Let's feast. Let's heal. And let's create room for stability and depth and strength. Let's pray. Father God, help us to learn to honor the Sabbath, to keep it holy and set apart. Help us open this gift that you give us one day a week, every week, for the rest of our lives. And Lord Jesus, help us to honor you as the Lord of our Sabbath. And Holy Spirit, help us improve the depth and quality of our Sabbaths for the rest of our lives, because we can set aside days of rest and then at the end of it realize that we're more drained than when we started, which means Holy Spirit, help us to not just ask, did we set aside a day for the Lord, but what was the quality of our Sabbath rest? so that you can give us wisdom and insight that will grow across the decades of our lives to shape us to be very different people because we've paused. We've been healed. We've been restored. We've been empowered. We've been blessed. And we've been a blessing to others. Thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for this incredible gift of Sabbath rest.